Welcome to Money in the Air, the music podcast about neighboring rights, the royalties you earn from the public performance of your recordings and the business of music in general. Brought to you by IFR, the International Association for Artists and Rights Holders. I'm Andrew, co-founder and chief royalty officer of Royalty. Hi, I'm Gina Deacon. I work for Absolute Rights Management and I work with record labels and artists to ensure we claim the royalty income due to them. I'm Stacey Haber and I'm from Inside Baseball Music Publishing. Hi, I'm Tanya Oliveira. I work for Transparence Entertainment Group. I handle registrations and repertoires for performers and rights holders around the world. Hello, welcome back to Money in the Air, the Neighboring Rights Podcast brought to you by IFR, the International Association for Artists and Rights Holders. We should talk about plain English definitions of information that PPL, Sound Exchange, and other CMOs want on the rights holder side to register the recording. So my first question is, what is the question or that category name that you think is the most confusing to indie rights holders? I would say the P name. I often get asked, oh, is, is that shorthand for performer? Like, who's the main artist? And it's not. It's for the phonographic copyright holder. So it's usually the record label that's released it. And if they go through an aggregator like CD Baby or TuneCore, are they still the rights holder? Or does that kind of aggregator distributor take those rights? If you are the rights holder and you can prove it, then you will always be the rights holder. However, when you distribute digitally, there's often like an option to people take without quite realizing. And then the distributor will register those ISRCs around the world. And then that will usually put the tracks into dispute. The disputes can be easily resolved. And that's something that we do for, with our day jobs like day to day. That's a very good point. And it always comes back to the agreement, doesn't it? So just read your agreement and figure out who's going to be the rights holder under that agreement. What else troubles people? One thing to bear in mind when a rights holder is registering the repertoire with PPL, because you can register it as a recording or you can register it as a product and then add the recording to it. And quite a lot of people just register the recording alone, which is fine. You know, that gets it onto the PPL database and it validates it and you collect in any income from the usage. But a lot of the international societies require catalogue numbers and album names and so on. So if you haven't registered your release as a product, say you've got an album and input the album details and then add the individual recordings to it, you could be losing out some income in the international societies. Wow, that's really interesting and something I didn't know, so thank you. And also you can say, you can click register a recording or register a release. If you put the release date in register a recording, do you still have to go back in and put it in under register a release? You register the individual ISRCs, in other words, you register the recordings, and you also have to register the release, i.e. product. So it's kind of like a two-step process. Most people don't realize that, as Gina said, so you'll do one or the other, but not both. And yes, to maximize income, if you've given PPL an international mandate, do both. Yeah, so every single time you register a recording, you always have to provide the product information, so the release information associated with that recording. The required fields at SoundExchange are going to be the recording title, the featured artists that are associated with that recording title, and then also the product information needs to be there. The release title, the album name, that's what I mean by release title, who is the label, who is supposed to be collecting over that product, and then the UPC. 
so the universal product code. All this information is generally provided to you by your distributor. So if you're going, say, through TuneCore or a CD Baby actual label that you've got the rights back to, then they will have the release information for each of these recordings. Then the final piece of information that needs to be there to register a recording at SoundExchange is the territory and basis of copyright. So if you have an international mandate with SoundExchange, put worldwide. Otherwise, put the specific territory that you're using SoundExchange to collect for, and then also the basis of the copyright. What I mean by that is, are you the copyright owner or are you a designee of the copyright owner to collect on your recordings? Have you hired somebody else to collect on your behalf? Those three buckets, what is the recording information? What territories are you the copyright owner or not? And then finally, the product information, which is the release information. In the UK, it's at PPL, it's called exclusive licensee rather than designee as a box to tick or a thing to add in. Um, let's talk about the P date. At PPL and GVL and most of European societies, it's the year of recording, so they just want the year. So that's quite good if you don't recall the date exactly. My recommendation for that is if you don't know what your collection date should be, always just put it inception. And if anybody else has registered the recording prior to you, then you'll definitely know about it through the disputes process. And then you guys can both resolve that. What about place things like the recording venue? Where was it recorded? What if you don't remember the name of the studio? What if you bought a catalog and nobody's around to ask? In my experience, it's not a mandatory piece of information, at least the societies I've used, but country of recording is usually mandatory. So as long as you know the country, which you can find on Discogs or your own data, then you're all right. So it is possible to collate this information and have it with you when you sit down to do the registrations or to give the information to your rep. It's all relatively straightforward once you know what they're actually asking for. There's so much information out there on the internet as well. So if you do have a little sort of memory block, you can usually find it and search for it. And, and that's what we do as reps. There is one other thing to bear in mind if you're a rights holder and you're registering recordings with going back to PPL again. They do require you to enter some performer information now. They didn't used to going back many, many years ago, but it is mandatory now. As long as you have at least one, what we call contracted featured artist, the main artist, and one non-featured artist, session musician, if applicable, then that's usually sufficient to validate your recording. But if you were just to register a recording without any artist at all, then the chances are PPL will temporarily invalidate that recording, which means you as a rights holder wouldn't earn any income until performer details are added. That seems fair. I'm pretty confident that you rights holders out there can do this. If there's anything that you can't do, please write to us, info at ifr.co.uk and become a member. And then you could ask us questions all the time. Thanks for listening. Take care, guys. Bye.